It's been almost two decades we've been on this journey to educate, liberate, and help you take action so you may better manage your financial future, achieve peace of mind, and accomplish your life's purpose. This podcast reveals financial tips, strategies, and insights that will help you set your goals and guide you along the way to help you achieve them. This is Managing Your Financial Future, brought to you by the advisors at Lucia Capital Group. I'm your host, Johnny Dean, with our own Rick the Professor Plum, Chief Financial Planning Officer. Managing your financial future is what we do. It's the podcast, Johnny Dean and Professor Rick Plum. I almost gave our our old uh, <laughs> Rick. I almost gave our old title from our from our radio show, TV show, radio and Buck, TV show, Bucket Strategy Investing, which actually would be uh, interesting because we're 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 kind of talk. We're we're going to get a little bit into that today, in some okay. ways. But now this is managing your financial future. This is the podcast with me, Johnny Dean, Professor Rick Plum, our certified financial planner, professional and uh, actually all-around good guy. We're still separated. We're still in separate studios. So just for people who have asked about this, yes, I don't know how long we're going to have to continue to do this, but quite frankly, Professor Plum, you know, until you use a little bit more Listerine, we're going to stay in separate studios. How's that? <laughs> you said we were separated. I was thinking, what, we haven't made up yet and got back together? No, yeah. we have not. And if, you know, another six months or so, they're going to declare this, uh, they're going to declare this legal. Anyway, uh, we are here to, uh, talking to you. We answered some emails last time and we do get emails during the course of the week and if you want to email us you go to our website or you go to luciacap.com our website and there's a place there to ask us questions we'll be happy to talk to you and, and discuss some of the things that are on your mind assuming that they also pertain to a lot of other people now i got one here from somebody uh al i believe his name is and he had a uh, an observation he wanted us to comment on that al said that he was listening to a particular podcast. I think it was on Bloomberg. And uh, uh, Jeremy Siegel is on. Now, we've talked about Jeremy Siegel from time to time. He's this Wharton professor and pretty smart guy. And we've referred to some of the things that he's talked about. But uh, Al says, as you probably know, Jeremy is a long-term stock-holding proponent. In other words, buy-and-hold kind of person, right? Right. And Jeremy, he says, has lowered his projection from the historical 65 to 7% average return, I assume he means of the S&P, 65 to 7% average return, down to somewhere around 5 to 5.5% long term. That's the first thing. And then Al says, secondly, he has modified his portfolio allocation from a 60-40 stock bond mix to 75-25 to accommodate this lower return forecast and the increased longevity of investors. He's not talking about the S&P. He's talking about a specific portfolio, which would normally be termed a balanced portfolio. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Because I thought six and a half to seven seemed a little low, but okay. Anyway, he says, um, I would value your comments on his current forecast. And uh, he, he was referring to his own plan. I won't get into that. But he wants to know what we would think about that and how this might relate to the way you, Professor Plummer, the other advisors around Lucia Capital Group put together a plan. So let's, let's talk about this because I think this probably is on at least more than a few people's minds. Well, there's two parts to this question, and one of them comes off of the, one of the last uh, parts of the, set, of the paragraph where it talks about the longevity of the portfolio. And obviously – if you're not taking any money out of a portfolio that averages 7% or 5%, the portfolio, it's earning something. You're not taking anything out of it. So this is in reference to a portfolio for a retiree that is taking distributions. 
and reducing the overall potential rate of return assumption uh, and basically in that case reducing the amount of money that they're taking out of it on an annual basis so that it is so right. that that in itself though causes problems a balanced portfolio is a stock bond mix and whether it's 60 40 70 30 whatever you know how what it, what it is that those are balanced portfolios but the problem is they are not good portfolios all the time for taking distributions. It can work well sometimes, and other times it is not gonna work very well at all, maybe not work at all, and go to zero and not, and during a lifetime, and that'd be the worst thing. So from a balanced portfolio perspective, we have a difference of opinion in that we do not like to take distributions from a portfolio that has the volatility to show negative numbers in a given year and have to take a distribution from that portfolio while they're negative. And yes, a balanced portfolio could show negative returns. I mean, we look at uh, just these last six months or so and balanced portfolios did go down. And if you were taking money out of them during that downturn, it is going to hurt your the longevity of that portfolio. In 2007 to 2009, the average balanced portfolio uh, as reported by Morningstar, went down by a little over 25%. Uh, that has a very serious impact if you are taking money out of it on an ongoing, specifically monthly basis, because that money will never recover. And now you're taking a much larger distribution than you, from a percentage standpoint than you started up. And it has a very high negative impact on the longevity of that portfolio. Now, on the other side, a balanced portfolio could work very well for a distribution if the market continues to go higher and goes up and up and up and up and up and up. And we have seen times like that through the years where they've worked out very well. The problem is at the beginning of the time period that we're dealing with, beginning of retirement, or if we're going to start taking distributions right now, we have no idea what the next five to 10 years are going to be like with that balanced portfolio. And those early years in that distribution pattern are the critical years. If they're very good, hey, life is going to be wonderful from a financial standpoint. If we have some negative years in the next three to five to seven years, uh, it's going to have a problem with longevity where you're going to have to adjust and most likely reduce dramatically the distribution that you're taking from that portfolio. I don't like that from a retiree standpoint. If I'm no. a retiree, I don't want to have to worry that I'm going to have to take a pay cut in the future just because the market didn't do what I had hoped it was going to do. So from a strategic retirement income planning standpoint, we prefer not using balanced portfolios as the income distribution portfolio unless we're going to leave it alone for five to seven or eight years and use it to replenish our distribution portfolio, what we call bucket number one. But that being said, we do use balanced portfolios. We use them for our moderate midterm time horizons. We use a less volatile portfolio for the distributions that we're going to be making for the first five to seven years. And then we use the balanced portfolio to not take any distributions, but to refill the first bucket after five to seven years. And we're more confident in the potential rate of return over a six, seven year period of time 
on a balanced portfolio, making it positive rather than over a one-year period of time. Yes, if that makes any sense. Well, yes, th- this all really comes down to time horizon, and this this goes back to the question that we ask often. In fact, every time is when do you need this money? What is the purpose of this particular chunk of money? What's the purpose of this money? Uh, time horizon, of course. And in creating a retirement income strategy, we're identifying the purpose. The money that we need to distribute in the first six, seven years is not, it should not be in a balanced portfolio because of the volatility that they have. They, they are not volatility free. They do have volatility. They don't have as much as a pure stock market portfolio, but they have volatility. And positive volatility, we don't have a problem with. Negative volatility, yeah, that can be a problem. And so that's why we do not use them from a distribution standpoint. So our opinions and thought process differ from what the uh, the, the uh, emailer was talking about in that we're going to use the portfolio differently. Now, if we ignore that distribution discussion and we talk about a balanced portfolio, what we have seen and what the money managers that we've dealt with and what we're watching in the overall markets is that it's not just Mr. Siegel and his portfolio and the people that uh, the emailer was talking about going from a 60 40 type of mix to a more 75 25 75 stock 25 bonds mix a lot of them are moving that way because the distributions of interest from bonds are so low right now and and the risk is that you're not earning anything and that if interest rates were to go up although i don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon i can't guarantee that either way uh there's risk to that low yielding environment a lot of many managers are looking at saying we can get similar risk characteristics from a value-oriented bond, a stock portfolio that has a higher distribution uh, payout than a bond portfolio right now. And that distribution payout, dividend payout, is being used in a balanced portfolio to buy more of everything that's in the balanced portfolio. So yeah. it's a form of almost like dollar cost averaging. Yeah, And you- the more cash that you have coming in, the more you can buy when the market's down. Yeah, you, you may have <laughs> to explain that just a little bit for people who are saying, wait, I, I'm a little confused. What are you saying about bond portfolio and all this stuff? Uh, explain what you mean by that and why that's an important component of what it is we do when we put together a bucket strategy. Well, in the historical context of a balanced portfolio, 60-40 mix, 50-50 mix, whatever the case may be, uh, half of it, 40% of it, or sometimes 60% for the more conservative portfolios, we're in bonds, and those bonds earn interest, and those bonds pay interest through the year. And that interest is coming into the portfolio. It used to be that we could count on maybe 4 or 5% from the portion of the portfolio that was in bonds. And so we had this cash flow that was coming in pretty much pretty stable coming in every quarter, every month. And that money was available for the portfolio manager to reinvest into the, the rest of the portfolio. And so if the market went down, if the stock portion of the portfolio went down by 15, 20%, well, we've got cash coming in, not from new additions, but from money being generated by the portfolio. And that money being generated by the portfolio is buying, you know, stocks and other assets that are in the portfolio when they're down. And given time, if those, you know, areas, if those markets recover, you know, you bought low in that portfolio. Well, now the bond component of a portfolio 
is not paying anywhere near historical rates. I mean, what's the 10-year treasury today? 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8, somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. uh, corporate bonds aren't paying significantly more than that. Even junk bonds aren't paying uh, you know, a, a lot, lot more than that. So you you just don't have the cash flow from the bond portfolio to help, you know, stable, not stabilize, but help, you know, balance out the the, well, the the stocks and buy stocks when they're down well that's uh, yeah that's that's the thing and i think what you're what what you're sort of describing is you have two sides of a balanced portfolio 50 50 60 40 they both have to sort of carry their weight now on one right. side it's not carrying its weight as much because the the, the payouts are so low so the interest rates are so low and then yeah. what we're seeing is dividend rates on value stocks dividend rates are still in the two to three percent you know area on some areas and they're paying a higher dividend than the interest rate on the bonds <laughs> right so that's what that's what you were talking about and, but and, there is and, risk uh, there is oh absolutely there is risk so you have to go out a little bit farther on the risk which is why when you said this professor plum we if we're if we're going to do that we are not going to take the risk with the income that you need from this particular portfolio which is why we put that not in a bucket one. We put this, as you said, maybe in a bucket two, which I assume is right. where this is going to be. And I just want to change a semantic issue. Income from a portfolio and distributions from a portfolio are two different things. Yes, let's explain that, too. Taking a distribution from a portfolio means I'm taking money out of the. If I had a million dollars and I wanted $40,000 a year, 4% distribution, I take $40,000 per year. Where did I get that 40000 from? Was it purely from income that was generated by that portfolio? Or was it was I selling uh, some assets? Was I uh, redeeming some CDs? What, the distribution of the 40000 in this example could come from any number of places. And so when we're looking at the distribution, where is it coming from? We use a bucket number one. And if we look at only bucket number one, we are distributing principal and interest from bucket number one. So it, 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 bucket number one by itself is not earning the distribution. It is holding the distribution for the next six, seven years, five, six, seven years. And we are depleting bucket number one over that period of time. Bucket number two is not distributing any cash, but it is hopefully earning some money. Generally, it's a balanced portfolio or something of that nature. And so the earnings, whether it be capital gains, uh, capital gain distributions from mutual funds, or whether it be interest or dividends from the bond portfolio uh, inside of the balanced portfolio, those are all being reinvested. So the income is being reinvested. And then bucket number three, long-term capital gains and, th and maybe some dividends out there, that's all being reinvested. So the actual income from a definitional income standpoint in many cases is being reinvested and the distribution is coming from principal of assets so that we know exactly what we're getting versus the income that can go up and down and income is in many respects so there's a difference between the distribution and the income being earned in the portfolio they're not synonymous yeah now you could say we know what we're getting well when it comes to the distribution we know what the distribution is we know where it's coming from and we know what's going to happen at least for the next five to seven years uh, and then hopefully balanced portfolios and now in the email they were talking about lowering the expected uh, returns of a balanced portfolio from the six and a half seven historical rates of return to the five rates of return in our planning process, we've been using four to five percent for bucket number two for many years now. 
We hope to get that six to seven that we had historically seen. But from a planning perspective, we we dropped our estimated returns from bucket number two years ago to the lower numbers yeah. uh, because if we can make a portfolio work with those lower numbers and we happen to get the higher numbers, hey, that, that's, <laughs> that's an easy one to handle. Uh, the problem is if you base your portfolio and your distributions and everything that's going on on the higher numbers and you receive the lower numbers, something's going to have to change. Well, you had to do that. I mean, when interest rates took their that, that dive, which they did now really 10 years ago, uh, going right. back and We've to been the- using lower assumed rates of return on the buckets. And they're assumed rates of return. They are not guaranteed rates of return. They're assumed uh, projections. Uh, we've been using those for, yeah, like you said, at least a decade. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was the reason why, I believe, because of the the lower interest rates. You just say, I mean, well, we've had low interest rates for quite a while now. Not this low, where you know, but you know, we've seen sub two percent for you know, lots of things for quite a while. Yeah, and so you have to adjust accordingly. So anyway, it was a it was a good email, and it's one that I think needs to be addressed because you know something I've heard simplified explanations of how buckets work, and maybe from a very general standpoint they can be correct. But Professor Plum, when it comes right down to it, all the stuff that you've talked about, the, the, a, a a true bucket strategy really needs to be looked at, cared for. Kind of like a, a an engine of a car. You've got to know all the parts, and you have to know what happens when one thing uh, when one thing happens. You have to know what the result of that is going to be. This is not a set it and forget it kind of thing. Now, this is a monitor it type of thing. This is uh, hopefully you know plan for the worst and pray for the best, and and but hey, have to be able to identify when good things are happening. And you have to decide on what to do when those good things happen before they happen, because otherwise we get real emotional and we tend to make wrong decisions for the wrong ideas when things happen, both <laughs> negatively and positively. Uh, we get too giddy and, uh, and, and uh, excited when things are going well to do what we should be doing, which is maybe taking some profit off the table. And then we get too upset and down and when afraid. things are not going well. When things I, aren't going our way that we panic and we pull things out before they can recover. I, hey, I remember looking at my 401k statement uh, at the end of uh, March. Okay, end of the first quarter. What a big negative sign that was on there. And I said, "This, is, I can't believe this. I, I should have done X. I should have done Y. And then, of course, leaving it alone, which I did. I'm not going to change anything. Well, things are a lot different now. And now as I go forward, I think, oh, man, let's just leave it alone. Let's just do this. And that helps. But the planning part of it, and that's the good thing, I think, about having a plan, having a strategy, and maybe in particular the bucket strategy, I don't know, it, it keeps you, it keeps the rational part of you going as long as you stick with the plan, and that's the whole purpose. Right. You, you mentioned that you left it alone. Leaving it alone was appropriate for you because it fit your plan. You had a plan. You had an idea. Mm-hmm. You had a purpose for that money, and the purpose for that money was not to be distributed in the next five to ten years. The purpose for that money that you have there is to be distributed when you're significantly older than you are right now. And so (laughs) identifying the purpose for the money can help you stay the course and avoid emotional knee-jerk reactions. Well, and did it hurt to look at it at that lower balance? Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> was it hurt emotionally for a little while? Oh. Uh, have you not looked since then? No, I did. I I, I looked just uh, about a week and a half ago. I couldn't believe it. Now I've had, of course, distributions which have helped, but uh, I mean, you know, the markets have come back. Why I don't know. You've had but contributions. I'm not, You've had my, contributions which help. That's what I mean. The yes. What did I say? Distributions. Contributions yeah. have helped. Yes, tremendously. Uh, but I again following the advice of people that I work with, like you, you sort of <laughs> well when things are down, let's. You know, let's charge it up a little more. Anyway, that's just me. I, yeah. I have not looked at my 401k, the, the growth portion of my 401k, since uh, February, which is unusual for me. Well, that is unusual for you. Now, you just hit uh, a, a decade milestone, so you're closer to retirement than I am. Uh, but I am going to have to get the – I am going to have to <laughs> take a look at this this allocation because you said, I have a, you said my growth portion. Well, my growth portion is the entire thing. So <laughs> – Oh, which I guess helped. But anyway, we'll have to have that discussion. Hey, look, we're, we're out of time. If you need the brain trust and you want to talk to Professor Plum, this, this, this bucket stuff, as I said, it really requires, if you, if, you wanted, if, if you want to try to do it right, it requires somebody to take a look at it. And it requires somebody who understands how all this stuff works. Your advisor should do this. Professor Plum, you are certainly one of those people. You've been doing this for now 30-plus years. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the brain trust, 800-644-1150. That's Professor Plum's number. That's the number at Lucia Capital Group, who sponsor, of course, this podcast, and we're very happy to have them along for all these many years, 800-644-1150, or you can go find them at uh, luciacap.com, which may be where you find this uh, found this podcast, I don't know, luciacap.com. You want to email us, go to that uh, uh, as well. All right, we're out of time. For Professor Rick Plum, I am Johnny Dean. This has been Managing Your Financial Future, and we'll talk to you again next time. The information provided should not be considered specific tax, legal, or investment advice and is not specific to any individual's personal circumstances. To the extent that this material concerns tax matters, it is not intended or written to be used and cannot be used by a taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding penalties that may be imposed by law. Each taxpayer should seek independent advice from a tax professional based on his or her individual circumstances. Different types of investments and or investment strategies involve varying levels of risk and there can be no assurance that any specific investment or investment strategy, including the investments purchased and or investment strategies devised by Lucia Capital Group, will be either suitable or profitable for a client's or prospective client's portfolio. Thus, investments may result in a loss of principal. Accordingly, no client or prospective client should assume that the presentation or any component thereof serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized advice from Lucia Capital Group or from any other investment professional. You should always seek counsel of the appropriate advisor prior to making any investment decision. All investments are subject to risk, including the loss of principal. This material was gathered from sources believed to be reliable. However, its accuracy cannot be guaranteed. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based upon publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. S&P 500 Index is an unmanaged index and includes a representative sample of large-cap U.S. companies in leading industries. An investment may not be made directly in an index. It is important to keep in mind that investments in fixed-income products are subject to liquidity or market risk, interest rate risk, bonds ordinarily decline in price when interest rates rise and rise in price when interest rates fall, financial or credit risk, inflation or purchasing power risk, and special tax liabilities. Interest may be subject to the alternative minimum tax. Treasury securities are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government but are subject to inflation risk. A dollar cost averaging strategy does not guarantee a profit or protection from loss. Since such an investment plan involves continual investment in securities regardless of fluctuating price levels, you must consider your willingness to continue
continue purchasing during periods of high or low price levels. Examples cited are hypothetical, are for illustrative purposes only, are not guaranteed, and subject to potential federal and state law amendments. There is no guarantee that you will achieve the results discussed or illustrated. CDs are FDIC insured up to $250,000 per depositor per insured bank for each account ownership category. Before investing, carefully consider a mutual fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. To obtain a prospectus or summary prospectus, which contains this and other information, call your financial advisor. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. The investment professionals are registered representatives with and securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. Lucia Securities LLC was acquired by LPL Financial August 2020. The investment professionals of Lucia Securities LLC are now affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Lucia Capital.